0: Hey, everybody, welcome to the Crohn's Fitness Food Podcast, dedicated to raising awareness, sharing IBD stories, and offering support for those with Crohn's and colitis. Together, we can share knowledge, experiences, and help show the world the many faces of IBD. Well, hi, everyone. Thank
1: you for joining me today for another episode of the Crohn's Fitness Food Podcast. I'm your host, Stephanie Gish, Crohn's warrior since 2006 and lifelong fitness fanatic. My guest today is Angela Spaulding, who's a Crohn's warrior and avid runner. But when she's not out on the trail, you can find her living the ranch and farming life under the big Montana sky. Thank you so much for joining me today, Angela, and welcome to the show. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's my pleasure. It's, it's fun because I've been watching you on Instagram and you're always hanging out with the cows and you're <laughs> running through the fields and your tractor sometimes pops in and <laughs> yes, busy, busy around yeah. here, <laughs> very busy. So it's a pleasure to, to get to meet you and to visit with you. Thank you so much. So let's go ahead. Let's jump right in. And can you start off by sharing your Crohn story and talk about how and when you were first diagnosed? Okay, so I was first
2: diagnosed in two thousand four, so quite some time ago. Um, I was twenty at the time. Um, I started having symptoms in two thousand two, which is the year I graduated. Mm. And it seems like like the day I graduated high school, I started to not feel well. So I'm sure it was all the stress of you know moving away and going to college and all those things and. I didn't adjust to that part of life very well anyways. So I'm sure that's what brought on my, um, my first flare. So after high school, I started to, um, I just didn't feel well and I couldn't really, I couldn't really put my finger on it, but I just, Mm -hmm. I didn't feel well. And I started to be, um, have an upset stomach after I ate. That's kind of how it started. Um, so I'd eat something and then I'd be in the bathroom. And then I'd eat something and I'd be in the bathroom. (laughs) It was just kind of like this constant cycle. So I'm like, surely I'm eating something that's bothering me, whatever it is. So I tried to find foods that, okay, maybe I shouldn't eat that because obviously Mm -hmm. I'm not tolerating it well. Um, That didn't last long because it seemed like everything I ate bothered me. Um, Mm -hmm. And it started out as, you know, mild stomach cramping and diarrhea
0: a Mm -hmm. lot
2: of diarrhea. Um, So that went on for probably,
1: oh gosh, probably a year. Um, It's surprising how much we can put up with because I remember some of my first symptoms were just intense abdominal pain and cramping after I ate. And I just remembered I'd go to let my lunch break, I'd eat a salad, and then I'd come back and my stomach would just start bloating and be twice its size. And I'd sit there and work like, I guess I shouldn't eat salads anymore. <laughs> like maybe it was like, a bad food poisoning. <laughs> yeah. And you're like trying to be healthy by
2: eating a salad. And mm-hmm. it seems like maybe the salads were the worst for me in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. So I'd eat something and then I'd be sick. And so this went on for like an, a year probably. And it was like, I'd, I'd go to the doctor and be like, okay, so I've had like this, stomach cramping and diarrhea. And that's not, that's not normal for me, but it is becoming normal, unfortunately. Um, and so I went to the doctor a couple of different times. Um, and at that time I had moved out and, Mm -hmm. um, I had a single dad and every time I talked to him, I was sick which Mm. I hated. I hated telling him that I didn't feel well. Um, I hated telling him that I was going to use the insurance card and I was going to go to the doctor again. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure he's just like, what in the world is wrong with this girl? You know? So I did. And the first time I went to the doctor, I don't know, symptoms had probably been for six months or so at this time. Um, and they decided that I was lactose intolerant. Mm. I'm like, okay that's interesting because it's not just dairy products but okay yeah so there's no lactose in that salad you ate exactly (laughs) but I'm like okay they're the doctor so I quit drinking milk which I do like um and dairy it didn't make a bit of difference not Mm -hmm. one bit um so I just kind of went on with it um Probably another six months goes by, and I go back to the doctor because nothing was helping. And then a primary was, care doctor. It was at, at the time, yeah, a primary mm-hmm. care doctor. Yep. Um, and just said that I am still not feeling well. Cutting milk and dairy out of my diet didn't do anything. Um, so then I I don't remember this was quite a long time ago. I don't know what tests were run, if any. I really don't remember. But then it was concluded that I had um irritable bowel syndrome, Mm -hmm. which they don't really, at the time, I'm sure now they have some things for it to treat it, but at the time they really didn't. So I was like, okay, I have irritable bowels, which apparently I do. I have very (laughs) irritable. Yes. (laughs) So, okay. So it was just kind of go on about my life, which I did. Um, My stress level was super high because I'm sort of an anxious, nervous, person anyways. So Mm -hmm. my stress level is high. My anxiety is pretty high. Um, I just kept getting sicker, kept Mm -hmm. losing more weight. And I, I really don't have a lot of weight to lose. Um, so yes. So I was getting slimmer. Um, and then gosh, it was probably about a year after I graduated, I noticed My joints were so sore. I felt like I was a hundred years old Mm -hmm. and it was my knees, my ankles and my elbows. I remember the most, um, and gosh, they just ached all the time. And I had bruises on my knees that wouldn't heal oh, wow. that
1: I couldn't explain. And um, how much? how much physical work were you doing? Like, did you always grow up on a farm doing kind of the farm ranching stuff? Yes, a lot of I, work. I mean, that's. Mm-hmm. But at this time, I had gone off to college and I was,
2: mm-hmm. I was not home at all. So mm-hmm. I was living mostly the city life in an apartment. Mm-hmm. Um, so my activity level, I would say, had actually decreased at this time. Um, joint pain's acting up and yes, but I'm not really doing anything. So it yeah. doesn't make any sense. So call my dad again, tell him I'm not feeling well still, and then I'm gonna go back to the doctor. This time I went to a like walk-in clinic.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, I just couldn't take it anymore. I couldn't eat anything. My body hurt, I was so tired. Like I just knew that there was something wrong, but it seems like everyone's telling me that it's I'm making it up pretty much. Like yeah. they can't really tell me what it is. And then they, they say it's something, but it doesn't really make sense. And so, um, and it's sad
1: because it's such a common thing. And, you know, you look, you're young and you look quote unquote healthy, Healthy. you know, you're not like an overweight, sick, you know, 60 year old. And so they kind of just dismiss you.
2: Right. And at this time I felt like I was 90, everything about me screamed 90 year old, Mm -hmm. except my actual age, you know? Um, so I'd gone in to see this urgent care doctor, um, and he did x-rays of my knees. And I, all I remember about it was telling my dad after the appointment, like they x-rayed my knees and they found nothing. And he's like, I thought you had stomach trouble. Like, why are they (laughs) x-raying your knees? And I'm like, that's part of it. Like my (laughs) knees hurt so bad. And now I feel like I'm a crazy person. Like all of these things are just, I'm, I'm losing my mind is what I'm thinking. So no more doctors for this girl at this time. I'm like, no more doctors. Um, I had transferred to a different college by this time. Um, this is now January of 2004 and I transferred colleges and I have a, I have a twin sister and she had come down to visit me. Um, I transferred in January. And so she came down in April to visit her and her boyfriend at the time had come down. And um, I just told her like, gosh, I'm well, she first of all, she's like, well, you don't look very good, you know? And I'm like, I just I feel so terrible. Like I can't I can't I can barely get out of bed. Mm -hmm. And so her and her boyfriend were going to take me to dinner. And I'm like, oh, I don't really want to go to dinner. But okay. we got there and I couldn't get out of the car. I'm like, I just I don't have it in me. Like in no way, shape or form do I have it in me to go into that restaurant. Like, I'll just wait in the car for you guys. And like, Angela, you're not waiting in the car. And I'm like, please, it just make it so much easier if I just wait in the car. And by this time I have blood in my stool, quite a bit of it. Um, like mucusy weirdness, mm-hmm. disgustingness. And remember I'm 20 years old yeah. and I don't want to
1: talk to anyone about this. That's exactly I how mean, I was. I anyone. think I, I was like 20, 21, I think when my first symptoms first started and a lot of blood and I was like, I'm just going to ignore it right. and I'll see it in a like week, it's not happening. two weeks, a month. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you say that and it's
2: still there and it's yeah. still there and yeah. it's still there, but you still don't want to do anything about it because mm-hmm. I don't want to go in
1: anywhere and start talking to someone about my poop. Like exactly. I just don't like, and I don't you know if talk that's to my what sister they're, about it. You know, if that's what they're talking about, you know, the tests <laughs> are going to be revolving around that area horrible, too. <laughs> horrible. Yes. Yeah.
2: Um. So while she's there, I, this is the worst I have ever felt while she's down there bar none. Um, mm-hmm. And so they went and had dinner and I waited. And then that night I remember going to bed and I just, I was just, Uh, like I was just over, I was sick of being, I was sick and tired of being sick and tired, you know? And so go to bed that night. I wake up the next morning and I need to get to the bathroom and I physically cannot get out of my dorm bed. Mm -hmm. I cannot get out. She had to help me out of my bed. And she's like, we're going to the emergency room. And I'm like, I don't want to have to tell my dad that we're sick, that I'm sick again. Like, I don't want to have that conversation with him. They can't find anything wrong with me. I'm probably going to go to the emergency room and they're going to be like, why are you here? You're fine. You know, because that's kind of what had happened and Mm -hmm. happened and happened. So she's like, I don't care what you say. So she got me to the bathroom and I just remember like the consistency of my stool being like coffee grounds, like black coffee grounds. And she's like, this is not normal. Like there's something wrong with you. So she took me to the emergency room where they promptly admitted me into the hospital where I stayed for seven days. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, so they, uh, the hospital um, were pretty, it was pr- pretty sure at that time that it was um, IBD, mm-hmm. which one they weren't positive at that time. So. I was in college in Oregon and my dad lived in Washington. So um, the hospital there in Oregon set me up with a GI doctor in Spokane. Mm -hmm. Um, So once I got out of the hospital, I had an appointment to go to Spokane and have a um, colonoscopy. So, so they didn't do that while you were in there for the seven days? They did days? Not. Nope. They sure didn't. And I don't remember the reason why I can't, I couldn't tell you why, but mm-hmm. so I went home for a couple of days and then went to Spokane to have my um, colonoscopy. And at this time, Again, I'm 20 and I am, I'm am mad at the world. I am yeah. mad at everybody. Like I'm mad that my sister took me to the hospital. I'm <laughs> mad that now I have to have a colonoscopy and I've heard what they do <laughs> and I want no part of it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but now I have my dad babysitting me. So I really have no choice. Like have to face reality,
1: <laughs> have to face reality. And I'm
2: going to have to have that colonoscopy whether I want it or not. <laughs> So um so I went for the colonoscopy and I remember the prep of it being the most heinous thing I've ever done. <laughs> which in one my did life. you get? <laughs> so I remember a glass bottle of like oh, okay. lemon lime flavored mm-hmm. nastiness that you had to drink like a million gallons of a uh, clear liquid or like yellow Gatorade, which is what I chose. i have, to this day not drink <laughs> yellow Gatorade
0: yeah
2: because my dad would come in my bedroom like I'm trying to sleep and he comes in he's like oh it's time to drink some more stuff and it made me so sick Mm -hmm. so now everything is just coming right out of me but it's also making me nauseous so I'm throwing up and I have diarrhea at the same time it was it was just the most awful thing ever sticky in the bathtub (laughs) yes right that's the only thing I'm way I'm gonna get cleaned up and I was just again, it just contributed to me being just so mad at everybody for this whole thing. Um, even though it was obviously no one's fault, but Mm -hmm. so had the colonoscopy and, um, that my GI doctor, he was a really cool guy. He was an older gentleman. Um, and he brought me in afterwards and, um, told me that I had what he would call moderate Crohn's disease. Mm -hmm. So, um, Did you know anything about it at that point? You know, oddly enough, I, I did because I live, I grew up in a tiny, tiny town I grew up with, uh, or I graduated with 22 kids in my class Mm -hmm. and one of them, our senior year had found out he had Crohn's disease. Wow. So, um, I did know a little bit about it. I knew his experience to that Mm -hmm. point with it. Um, and I completely denied it. I mean, I saw the pictures that he took from my, the inside of my guts and I'm like, no, I don't have that.
1: I don't, <laughs> I don't believe I, you. I, I don't you have, have what my friend has. Yeah.
2: Exactly. Like that's not me. <laughs> um, not my colon. <laughs> right? So that started a whole medication routine and all of that, but that is initially kind of the story leading up to how, and when I was diagnosed. So, um, it was April of 2004 when I was diagnosed. Wow.
1: Yeah. Well, tell me what's happened since then, because you've gotten yourself to what looks like a really good point. So tell me a little bit about that journey to really coming to this point where you're at now. You don't seem like you're angry with the world anymore. (laughs) (laughs) You seem to be in a good spot. That though took quite some
2: time to get over. Um, Mm -hmm. So um, I immediately went on a handful of medications which I was mad about having to take, mm-hmm. um, they also immediately put me on renicade, Um, so it was an infusion that I had to go do. So now I'm trying to go to college. I'm trying to work. I'm trying not to be sick because I obviously had to take quite a bit of time away um, from working while I was um, in the hospital and then moved back to Washington and all these things. So, um, i I didn't have a lot of time. And then they wanted me to go do this infusion and it was crazy expensive. Yeah. And, um, but my dad's just like, you know what, you got to do what you got to do. Like, we got to get you feeling better. And so I did the Remicade for quite some time, probably about a year,
1: mm-hmm.
2: um, along with the handful of medications, which I don't even remember most of them. I think acid. Asac- call Oh yeah. That, that was
1: that was my first as well. call okay. I think Most everyone starts off with.
2: <laughs> yeah. I remember one called Imuran. Yeah, I took that I as well. Okay. Yeah. Imuran. And then Azacol. one I think was called 6MP. I've heard that one. That's a common okay. one. Yeah. So all of these, and then lots of prednisone. They just put you lots on everything. Like, let's just
1: try all the medications at the yes. same time. <laughs> yeah.
2: And I don't know if they were all at the same time or if those were medications. I yeah. know the Asacol was first for sure. And then the others may have can't come later because there's been several other times too. Um, yeah. But the prednisone, um, which I hated, uh, made me like, I wouldn't sleep at night. Mm-hmm. Like I was jittery and... Um, And then again, my friend who I mentioned who had it, he loved being on prednisone because it's the only time he felt better. He said, wow. Yep. Was, that's the only thing that made him feel better. So, um, so yes, the Remicade I did for about a year. Um, and then again, I'm not very old at this point. I'm like 21 years old and I know everything, (laughs) So I stopped taking my medications. Because you were probably
1: feeling good. I was feeling (laughs) much better. Mm -hmm. I don't have Crohn's. I knew it.
2: (laughs) I told them I did. (laughs) Um, So I stopped all my medication.
1: Um, Did you tell your doctor or did you just stop?
2: So at this time, my doctor had, he was an older gentleman and he was retiring. So I got Mm. this letter saying that he was retiring and they were going to transfer me to this other guy who I didn't at all care for. Mm -hmm. I met him a couple of different times and we just did not really mesh well. Mm -hmm. Um, Mostly probably in his defense because he had stuff to say that I didn't want to (laughs) hear. Honestly, like, and um, so transferred to GI doctors um, and I started to feel really good. The medications helped Mm -hmm. and I, I remember getting out of the hospital that one, that time and telling my sister, like, I just, I just want to feel normal again. Yeah. Like I just want to feel normal. And I really feel like I'm never going to be there again. Um, a year went by and I did, I felt pretty normal again. I was doing mm-hmm. everything I was doing before I was back to riding horses. I was back to, you know, college again. I started mm-hmm. classes and I had a part-time job. So, um, things were going really well. And then, Things were pretty good for, gosh, till about two thousand nine. So a good and, little and, stint. A good yep, little. I had gotten married, mm-hmm. and then I was getting divorced. Not mm-hmm. long after that, um, and so went through a divorce in 2009-10
1: and then about when I went through my divorce. Oh, really? That's crazy. <laughs> we're just on a parallel track so it far. Seems to be so far. Yeah,
2: huh. <laughs> Mm -hmm. Um, so got divorced, which was so crazy, stressful (laughs) and it comes back.
1: Yeah. Magic word stress.
2: (laughs) Right. And mine is absolutely. And I think for most people, 100% driven by stress. Yeah. Um, so divorce happens and I just start to feel bad again. And the diarrhea is, I mean, to this day, I have diarrhea every day. Mm. every day. Like, and if I don't,
1: it warrants a text to my
2: sister, like, oh my gosh, I just had a normal poop. <laughs>
1: uh, it does get exciting. Like, I remember that feeling the first time when you go like yes. a week and it's like, oh my gosh, this is, it looks so normal. Like, yes. I just want to stare at it. <laughs> exactly. It's not <laughs> So watery. weird, who would appreciate this? <laughs> right.
2: Because that's how infrequent it is. Like, I have diarrhea every day. It's just the Um, the amount of times per day that I have diarrhea Mm -hmm. that is, um, so, so typically, you know, I have one to three bowel movements a day, Mm -hmm. um, even when I'm feeling really good like I am now, but at that time it was creeping in, there were more times per day and, um, and I just knew like, and then I noticed like little blood, little Mm mucusy in my stool, um, and I'm just like, not, not again, you know? And I started to have this really strange pain in my, in my abdomen. And they always, when you go to the doctor with abdominal pain, they always want you to identify a quadrant. And it's like, from the very beginning, I'm just like, it's like all over in there. I can't tell you where, like, it's just somewhere in there. It hurts really bad, you know? Yeah. Um, so again, now I have this terrible abdominal pain. It's like a shooting pain. And I can't really tell them where it's at. And so, um, I had gone to the doctor for it one time and again, some, sorry, I'm getting back and forth, but I noticed something else after you're diagnosed with Crohn's is it seems like it doesn't matter what's wrong with you. When you go to the doctor, they're like, oh, it's your Crohn's. No, it's, just, it's probably your Crohn's. You've already got the diagnosis. We'll just, it's Crohn's. Crohn's. (laughs) Exactly. We're just going to roll with it. Like there was this one time that I had these sores all over the inside and the outside of my lips. Mm -hmm. have no idea. It was the most painful, awful thing I've ever experienced. Mm -hmm. And um, went to the doctor twice for it. They tested it for a virus. It wasn't a virus. Um, They did some other tests and they concluded nothing. And it's your Crohn's like Crohn's disease can affect anywhere in your GI tract, right. Yeah. That starts at your mouth. And so that's what they said it was. And to this day, I don't think that's what it was. I honestly think I had yeah. a reaction to a supplement my grandma told me to take. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause it's happened two times in my life. And both of those times I was taking that particular supplement. Uh-huh. Um, but I have found that oftentimes when you have something wrong with you and you have a diagnosis that is as vague as yeah. Crohn's diseases, they often say, well, you know, it looks like it's probably has to do with your Crohn's disease. And sometimes you're just like, no, it doesn't. <laughs> like, nothing to do. I'm not a doctor, but come yeah. on, you know? Um, so again, I've sworn off doctors. I don't want to go see any more doctors, mm-hmm. but I had gone cause I had this sharp pain in my, in my abdomen. And, um, i don't know what they concluded nothing really I think they didn't do any like tests or anything at this time yeah. though so this was like in October of 2010 mm-hmm. and I remember going home for the holidays and here we go again mm-hmm. dad I'm not feeling very good you know and yeah. he's like I really want you to go get it checked out like let's not do what we did last time where I have to come visit you in the hospital because you refuse to go to the doctor like let's yeah. not do that anymore so I said okay when I got back Um, from the holidays, I'd go have it checked out. So I did. They ordered a CT scan. Then I worked at the hospital at the time and I hear my name being paged. They want me to go to the ED right away. (laughs) And I'm like, okay. Wow. So I get down there and they're like, so your scan shows that your appendix is bad and it needs to come out pronto before it ruptures. And I'm like, OK, OK, so wow. maybe that's what the crazy sharp pain was. Maybe it really did have nothing to do with my <laughs> Crohn's. OK, they're on to something. Maybe they do know what they're talking about. Someday. I still
0: don't have Crohn's.
2: No. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> so um, which was great, like knowing mm-hmm. that it wasn't my Crohn's, like, OK, it's flaring because I'm having the blood in my stool and I'm having some of the mucus stuff. But at least this crazy sharp pain that I've been having for three months is not my Crohn's. Mm hmm. So I go, I have my appendix taken out and I remember the general surgeon was the coolest guy ever and he comes in after surgery and he tells me that he made this tiniest incision ever. (laughs) It's going to barely make a scar and I'm going to love it because he's like, girls your age, like they don't want a scar. And I'm like, okay, like that's awesome. I stay one night. I get to go home tomorrow. Easy peasy, right?
1: Mm -hmm.
2: Wrong. So the next day I am deathly ill. I oh cannot gosh. hardly move without being nauseous. Mm-hmm. Like I move my eyes around, I throw up. Wow. It was horrible. So they're like, "Okay, well, we're going to keep you another night. Like this is not what we expected to happen. We thought you'd be, you know, good to go." Mm-hmm. So, um next day no good. Next day really no good. My dad just my dad had come to visit and he's like, you know, you got to get up and walk around. They're not going to let you go home unless you get up and walk around. Mm-hmm. So I'd try to get up and take a few steps and I'd throw up. So um, they finally said, you know what? We're going to do another CT scan, see if maybe there's something we missed. Now, the rest of the details come become very foggy because it seems like it was like a drugged haze <laughs> at this time. <laughs> because <But> it was. <laughs> it really was. So they did the CT scan and I don't really recall if they found Mm -hmm. something suspicious or if they didn't. And so they were going to go in and do surgery. Either way, I went to surgery um, and then woke up with an NG tube, which was Mm. awful. Um, And come to find out my um, appendix had formed or my my intestine had formed. A fistula Ah. that adhered to my appendix, which was what was making my appendix bad, which was why they saw. They didn't notice that when they took out the appendix like the day or so before. (laughs) He said to me after the second surgery and I kind of had come to a little bit. He said that he apologized profusely for making that scar so tiny that he did not see everything that was going Uh. on in there. Had he made the incision a little bit bigger, yes, he would have seen what That's was happening. In there hmm So, um, so the fistula head um, was attached to my small intestine and my appendix, which was what was making my appendix bad. So, when they removed my appendix, it it broke that connection. So now yeah. everything running through my small intestine is now leaking out into my body. Oh my gosh! <laughs> which is making me ridiculously sick. So while they were in there, they decided to take out, he said that there was about 19 inches of my small intestine that was badly um, diseased. So while, while they were in there, they took some housekeeping. (laughs) I mean, they might as well (laughs) since they're in there. I don't want to do this again. (laughs) So just take it out. So yes, I had a small bowel resection at the same time. And then, um, lo and behold, I started to feel better after that. So yeah. So I spent a few more days in the hospital. I lost a ton of weight through this time. Um, a ton of weight. You had to be just skin and bones by that point. I actually went back for a follow-up. I remember I worked at the hospital. So I went to a follow-up appointment a couple of days later. Oh gosh. It was at least a week later. And a gal that I work with, I ran into her and she started crying when she saw me. And I'm like, what is wrong? she's like, sweetie, you look like you're starving to death. And I'm like, wow. I promise you I'm not. I'm like, but yes, the, um, before the general surgeon would uh, release me to go back to work, I had to gain at least seven pounds. He said, wow. So, so that was probably the toughest thing coming back from it was mm-hmm. like not being afraid to eat stuff again. Yeah. Right. Cause that's a, a thing. I-
1: I think, you know, we forget what, how traumatizing it is to eat things like when we've gone for so long and like everything is, we know is just going to make us feel awful. Like Mm -hmm. it took me a long time to really not dread, you know, going out to dinner or to a friend's house or having someone try to give me food or, you know, just eat anything that I didn't know was a safe food that I prepared. Like it took a long time to really mentally overcome that and be like, okay, I can eat, I can eat something. Yes. Right. And
2: then there's, there's the, you don't want to be the weirdo that shows up to someone's house. That's not eating what they prepared to, you know, like I'm going to pull out my Tupperware
1: instead of your wonderful dish you made. (laughs) Yes.
2: And I mean, we have friends and there are friends for a reason. So typically they know, and they would never be offended, but at the same time, you don't want to be that person. Like it makes you feel weird and Mm -mm. different, you know, and no one likes to feel different. Um, So yeah, after the surgery, things started to feel better. It took a long, long time. Like it took a long time for me to even walk to the end of the block at this point, like after all of this. Um, What did you do to
1: help recover from that surgery? What were some of the things that you kind of made a part of your day to help you recover?
2: Walking Mm -hmm. at first, because there was like, gosh, I was winded. Getting dressed or getting in the shower, and I remember my sister comes staying with. She came and stayed with me for a few days, and um, I, I had no core muscles at this time, like zero. And she sat me up on the couch, and <laughs> then she let my hand go while she was getting some medicine Aww. out of her hand. And oh, I just tipped right back oh, over oh. And
1: onto the couch like a doll. <laughs> yeah,
2: just tipped right off over. Go. So I feel like I was starting at like ground zero, and at yeah. this time I rode horses all the time, every day, all the time. Um, and so that was my, at the time, my biggest form of exercise, Mm -hmm. but I, I wasn't ready to get back on for a long time. Um, couple months probably, Mm -hmm. um, to where I felt that my incision was healing nicely. And if something bumped it, it wasn't going to send me into like excruciating pain. Um, so it was a long time, but I started walking, I started mm-hmm. walking a bit and it was like, okay, I got to the end of the driveway. Awesome. Like this time I'm going to go, you know, a quarter of a mile. And mm-hmm. then the next time I was like, okay, the, I know that stop sign is a half a mile away. I just want to walk to that, that stop sign and back. That's one mile. So, and it was literally, it was baby steps. And yeah. sometimes it felt like it was like one foot step forward and two steps back. Cause it was such a long process of just getting my confidence back in things. Um, Finding things to eat was also Mm -hmm. a big thing again, because I had forgotten um, how hard that was. And my GI doctor at this time um, was not the same one that I didn't care for. Um, He had to go. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um,
1: But I think that's good. I think that's an important thing to point out that you really do have to have a doctor that you can connect with and someone that you really feel like you can partner with.
2: Absolutely. And and the thing I really didn't care for about the one that I had gotten like transferred to or whatever is he straight up told me one time, because I told him I really wasn't interested in taking medications for longer than I had to. Mm-hmm. Um, and he just looked at me and he said, you have Crohn's disease, which is a chronic condition, and you will be on long term medication. Like that's basically saying to me that there are no other options. Mm-hmm. And I just sort of shut him out right then. Like, I didn't want to hear that. That's not what I was looking for. It's not what I wanted to hear. And I don't think I saw him again after that. Mm -hmm. Um, But I did find one that I, to this day, I enjoy him so much. Um, He was in Idaho though, um, Mm -hmm. when I lived there. And um, so he is not mine anymore, but he was awesome. And he just said to me, um, you know, when you have Crohn's disease, you cannot have a little black book of things that you, that have, Of food that have made you sick. He's like, because something that bothers you today may not bother you in six months. He's like, it may not bother you in a month. He's like, so you need to just continue trying things, um, over the course of time. He said, otherwise you will find that you, there's nothing you can eat. And I'm like, fair enough. I like that. Like I will maybe just hold off on eating it for a while and then try (laughs) it again at some point when I
1: feel I'm ready. That's some good Um, advice too, because I don't think I ever had a GI doctor tell me that. I mean, mine were just kind of like, if it bothers you, don't eat it. But I kind of had to learn for myself that there's foods I used to be able to eat that all of a sudden I can eat them now and things that I did tolerate fine. Well, those are not so good anymore. And so- would that have been nice not- to just know that. <laughs> yes.
2: And that was nothing I would have ever thought of. I I tend to be very black and white and I don't really think outside the box very well. So yeah, every time I got sick, I would write something down. I'm like, never eating that again. You know, <laughs> and he's like, oh, you can't do that. Like, because pretty soon you'll have no options anymore. Like at some time, everything's going to make you sick, probably. Like, mm-hmm. it's just how it is. He also told me um, when you've seen one Crohn's patient, you've seen one Crohn's patient <laughs> because they're all so different. He's like, That's awesome. you can't base your experiences on someone else's experiences because they're never going to be the same. That's and awesome I that he said found, that. right, and I have found that those no truer words have been spoken. I don't think about yeah. Crohn's disease, mm-hmm. um, and even just listening to your podcast recently, no one's story. Is the
1: same, you (laughs) know? There's overlap and there's kind of some threads, but but they're not the same.
2: (laughs) No, absolutely not. Um, So, yeah. So I I bounced back from that. um, And that was, again, that was January of 2011. Mm -hmm. And then um, I have, there have been a million times in my life when I am gathering cows or moving cows or whatever, Mm -hmm. literally in the middle of nowhere. (laughs) <laughs> nowhere. Were there you back to being on a farm at this point? Yes. Yep. Um, and there, there is nowhere to go to the bathroom. Like mm-hmm. there are no bathrooms out in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> so <laughs> it was really a tough learning curve for me, um, to be comfortable going out, mm-hmm. um, and doing these things. Cause often you have neighbors that come help you. You have friends that come help you when you're doing a big gather or whatever. And you don't want to have to use behind a sagebrush when there's people around, you know? Um, So I was terrified. Mm -hmm. And so my solution to this, I don't really promote this at all, but (laughs) um, my solution for me was. Uh
1: This is not medical advice. Exactly. Not,
2: (laughs) I already said, I am not a doctor. (laughs) I would not eat for a couple of days leading up to it because typically I would know, you know, this weekend we're going to gather to brand or this weekend we're going to move pastures or whatever it is. Um, I knew it was coming. So for the several days leading up to that, I would eat. Enough to sustain life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's pretty much it. Because I didn't want to be in a situation where I'm out in the middle of nowhere and I have to go to the bathroom. And that yeah. was the only way I knew to sort of ensure, if you can really even say that, that I wouldn't have to. Um,
1: so, and still w- no medications at this point, right? No, nope, I've not of been on the surgery. And-
2: yep, until mm-hmm. it, since 2009. Uh, I was on Humira at one time. Don't remember mm-hmm. when that was. <laughs> I didn't like that, though, because I'm not good with needles. Yeah. And, like,
1: they had the EpiPen thing. and I I did the pens, which I did okay with that. Like, I was fine. I don't think I could do, like, an actual syringe. That would be too hard for me. But I could do the pens, and I did that. I just didn't ever really get relief from it. It was like, eh, it's fine, but it's not great.
2: It's not great. And I don't remember – that
1: was – I don't
2: remember which flare that was somewhere yeah. <laughs> in there. I was on Humira. Um, and again, it was expensive and I had to give it to myself. And at that time it was hard to, for, I don't remember if it was an insurance. I think it was an insurance thing mm-hmm. um, to coordinate uh, delivery was ah. a huge pain in the behind. Um, and so I, I started to feel better <laughs> and I didn't want to <laughs> deal with all the other stuff. And I'm like, okay, well I'm done taking this. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was with the GI doctor that I didn't care for. (laughs) That's when that was. Um, So anyways, back to, so I've been a lot of times in situations where um, there are no bathrooms, Mm -hmm. which at first was terrifying. Um, And then my no eating thing, it worked. It worked really Mm -hmm. well. And I actually don't ever recall any times where um, nature called and Mm -hmm. I had to use a sagebrush
1: <laughs> so you're so, just a professional faster <laughs> exactly i've gotten really good at that
2: so um that's still something that i will do today if mm-hmm. um because even right now where i'm confident in saying that i'm in remission and i have been for a couple of years now mm-hmm. um i've been medication free since so I, probably the middle of 2011 um and i haven't been on any medication since um knock on wood <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. definitely
2: right I don't want to jinx it um and so yeah there have been lots of times where um I'm really really thankful that I have found that not great way but it works a <laughs> way <works>. yes a way <laughs> otherwise gosh I don't know how I would live the lifestyle that I do
1: yeah well, I, what are... I... go
2: ahead I, I just I I would never want to be that far away from a bath- bathroom otherwise, you know? Yeah. So, so that's how I found worked for me in the situations that I find myself in with my lifestyle. So
1: what are some of the other things that you on it you do on a day-to-day basis? Cause it sounds like that's something that you still continue to do. And mm-hmm. it, I'm kind of guessing, sounds like you had a few flares since the surgery, but you've yes. kind of come out of them. And so how do you maintain everything today and talk a little bit, if there was a, there's more that I'm cutting out in that 10 years there. <laughs> yes, right.
2: Um, so now I, okay, so I found humor. Uh-huh. I am no longer mad at everyone for this whole thing. I agree. I, pro- I do have Crohn's disease. <laughs> so <laughs> I've learned in the last several years, what, 16 years, um, mm-hmm. to accept it. Um, there's nothing that I'm going to do to change it. So I might as well find the lightheartedness in it, Mm -hmm. like the text to my sisters that my poop was normal today. (laughs) Um, Or there have been other times where I'm in the grocery store and all of a sudden, like, I don't know about other people, but my stomach starts to make a lot of noise. Uh And when that (laughs) happens... I need to find a bathroom right away. And like being in the grocery store and like running to find the bathroom and then like texting my sisters afterwards, like oh, almost put my pants and Albert's in Albertsons today. <laughs> <laughs> like it's just sort of the ongoing joke. And at, you know, at a family gathering, we have this delicious, amazing looking dessert and someone's like, uh, you, are you going to have some like not unless I want to poop my pants later. like no I don't want any Mm -hmm. you know so I find and it may not work for everyone but you got to find some humor in it otherwise because I don't want to be like I was before and just mad about the whole thing so I found a little humor in it Mm -hmm. um I've learned to talk about my poop (laughs) like good good (laughs) because I mean I don't know how else you get around it with this disease
1: yeah
2: um And I have found running. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And I was never, I was competitive in high school. I was always athletic. Um, Sports always came natural to me. And then I went to college and didn't have that. Um, So I just kind of feel like I didn't have a release. I told you earlier, like I'm sort of a nervous person. I have a lot of anxiousness. Um, And one day I woke up and I'm like, gosh, I'd, I'd really like to get back into shape. Like Mm -hmm. I ride horses a lot all the time, but I feel like I needed something a little bit more like, Mm -hmm. um, so one morning I, one morning I signed up for a Spartan race. I signed up my friend and I, and at this point I have not run a mile in years, (laughs) let alone five (laughs) miles. Right. So I knew that the race would be somewhere between three and five miles. So that day that I signed up, I went and ran four miles. And I'm like, if I can run four miles today at an 11 minute pace Mm -hmm. in two and a half months, I should be able to complete the five miles. So I just started running a little bit every day. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I feel amazing. Like, so I kept doing it. Mm -hmm. I kept doing it. And then we had the Spartan race. and It was so much fun. Um, my friend who will probably listen to this later, she did not agree. (laughs) He didn't have nearly as much fun as I did. Um, but I found it to be not only helping like get me into better physical condition, but it helped my mind Mm -hmm. immensely. It was an outlet. I've always been someone to just stuff everything Mm -hmm. down and not talk about it and just keep stuffing it (laughs) and, it ends up coming out of my guts, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> like, um, so that was big for me too. Like, running was an outlet, and mm-hmm. it was just because one day I woke up and wanted to get into better shape, and now I cannot imagine my life without running. Um, do you think it impacts your IBD at all? Do you think it helps? Absolutely, I do. Um, because it helps my stress level. It mm-hmm. helps my my mind a lot, um, which controls my stress, yeah. and you can just look back in my timeline of life and see any sort of stressful event. Stress flare. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Stress flare hospital. (laughs) Stress (laughs) flare hospital. Like that's just seems like what's what's happened. Um, And the running is just an amazing stress release Mm -hmm. for me, Uh, stress relief for me. And um, I think it's helped with my Crohn's um, more than any medication I've ever been on, honestly. That's fantastic. Um, Yeah. And, and I'm sure that not everyone gets that reaction. Um, but I have, and I'm going to run with it literally and figuratively.
1: That's awesome. (laughs) And you run every day, right? Five days a week. Yep. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. You gotta
2: have a rest day.
1: (laughs) You do have to have a rest
2: day. And and often I really look forward to those rest days. So, um, so it has helped my mental
1: state, um, along with my, my physical state. Um, Tell so. me about the mental state because um, you mentioned you obviously overcame just being mad at everything and everyone. Was there any one particular thing that helped you get there or was it kind of like the running where you just woke up one day and decided, I've got to have a different outlook?
2: Um I have some really amazing role models in my life. Um, one of them is just like the most positive upbeat person you'll ever meet. Mm -hmm. Um, and I love her for it. Uh, and she kind of helped me see, um, that, you know, what's happening is not a forever thing. Um, yes, you now have a diagnosis, but you're going to live with it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you're going to make the choice to be a miserable cow about it, <laughs> or you're going to figure out a way to move on. And I mean, everyone in life is dealt some cards that they don't really like,
1: mm-hmm. um,
2: in all aspects of life. So you can choose what you do with those cards. Right. Um, and I think, she said that to me, you know, like you can go on living like this and being mad about it, or you can change your situation. And I was the only one that could do that. Um, and so it took a lot of time. This did not happen overnight. I was mad for a long time about the Mm -hmm. whole situation. Um, and so it was just kind of over time. I didn't want to be a miserable cow about it. And I was going to have to deal with it, (laughs) whether I dealt with it in a happy manner or not. Um, and I prefer to try to be positive about things. So um, it was a gradual transition.
1: Mm-hmm. Kind of catching yourself now. in the moment of being angry and and then readdressing it.
2: Yes. So like, I don't want to live like this. I don't want to yeah. be that person. You know, I don't want to be that person in 10 years for sure. So yeah. it, was, it was a choice that I had to make. And then th- again, it was like one step forward and two steps back. But eventually I got somewhere with it. Mm-hmm. And now, um, I have not had a major flare, um, since the 2011 incident. Um, that's probably helped too, awesome. because it's not staring me in the face every day. Yeah. Um, you know, there are times that I have, like, I feel like a little bitty flare, um, mm-hmm. days that things are not great. Yeah. Um, yeah but they only last a little while, maybe a week, and then things get better again. And I don't know what causes that. I have no idea. But um, they're manageable, and um, I I typically come back to a good place. Yeah. So um, I hope that I can maintain this positive attitude um, if the hospital does come again <laughs> someday down the road. Um, I hope so. I yeah. hope so. And I feel like I'm in a good enough place now that I that I – have the tools to be able to continue, um, the more positive outlook rather than being just mad about everything.
1: Most definitely. Yeah. So So tell me about some of the flares. What are some of the tips and things that you've learned over the years to kind of get you through, even if it's just kind of a mini flare up or, you know, it's coming on. Are there particular things that you found aside from like the, the not eating for three days before you go (laughs) round up the cows? Yeah. (laughs) Um,
2: For sure. I definitely cut back on anything that um, salad, which I Mm -hmm. love. Salad, typically, not typically. Some days I can eat salad just fine. Other days, it will go literally right through me. Um, So I don't know why some days it's fine and some days it's not. (laughs) But I'm going to eat salad because I like it. Um, There are a few things I absolutely do not eat. Some of Mm -hmm. them you probably shouldn't eat anyways. I do not eat fast food. Mm -hmm. Don't eat it because...
1: It's not
2: good for anyone. No, and it's going to just put me in the bathroom, so I don't eat it. I do not eat soft serve ice cream. I -hmm. love ice cream. And if it's hard ice cream out of the freezer, like real ice cream, I have no trouble with it usually. But if it's that soft serve that comes in a bag that's frozen, Mm -hmm. mm -mm, I'll poop my pants every time. Um, I do not eat protein powder or protein bars. Mm -hmm. There is not a single one that I have found that doesn't upset my stomach. doesn't matter how expensive it is. It doesn't matter. It does not matter. I cannot eat them. And I would just really like to have a protein bar every now and then for breakfast or something.
1: Yeah. cuz they're Can't convenient and they some are convenient. taste good not all but <laughs> not all that's a fact
2: um so for whatever reason those are the things i know my doctor said not to have a little black book but those are the things yeah. <laughs> that are in it and are staying in it yeah um as far as like a mini flare when i um when i find myself having one i go to really bland food i go to toast white mm. toast uh i don't care if it's good for me or not like something very bland, uh, plain chicken that I'll make in my Instapot, um, with nothing on it, but just made with a little chicken broth, um, and some plain rice. I find that that sort of settles my stomach a little Mm -hmm. bit and I'll eat that for a few days if I have to. Um, but I just stick with things that are very boring, (laughs) um, and then eat them for a few days and then I'll start to try to eat some other things. And, um, I know right away it seems like it's a almost instant when I eat something that I know is gonna affect me. Literally within 10 or 15 minutes, it yeah. usually starts to my stomach starts to like make all kinds of noise and stuff. So to get me through those times, I just go to really bland food. And for me that works fairly
1: well. It's good. It's, I think I think it's good to have a few kind of tools in our belt that yes. we can draw yeah. upon for the variety of situations we find ourselves in with this disease.
2: Right. Um, (laughs) and the running, if, if I am in the bathroom a lot, I will not run that day. Um, Mm -hmm. I just don't want to be out. It's only happened one time (laughs) that Mm -hmm. I've been out on a really long run and found I'm always prepared though. And I live in the middle of nowhere. So you gotta go, you gotta go, but it's only happened one time. Thankfully. Um, but if I do find that my stomach is super upset, I just won't go. Like mm-hmm. it's not worth it. And I'll just yeah. wait until I can. And to have a little bit of grace when that yeah. happens. Cause I know you said you're really into fitness and stuff. And we kind of get hard on hard on ourselves, down yes. on ourselves a little bit. Like, okay, you haven't ran two days in a row. Like, are you just blaming your Crohn's? Or yeah. it's like, no, no. Like have a little grace and It's okay if I sleep a little extra, if I come home from teaching and I go take a nap because I just don't feel very good. So I think just, um, being easy on ourselves is, is another tool that I feel like we have to have with this, um, Super fun disease.
1: <laughs> yeah, it is fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's great advice. And I, I really do think it is important because, just like you said, I mean, I do, fi- I know I find myself feeling that way. And a lot of other people I've talked to will do that too. Just when you're feeling good and you're working out and you're doing all these things, but then you start feeling fatigued or the yes. Crohn's is flaring. And then it's mm-hmm. like, you know, and I think back and it's like, what oh, I'm not doing is, you know, I'm I'm about to turn 40 next year. I'm like, how did that happen? And then I think back, <laughs> right. and it's like, well, you know, when I was 22, <laughs> I was at the gym like twice a day, and I was lifting. And now I'm like, am I just old and lazy, or right. is it really fatigue from the Crohn's? I don't know. Sure. But either way, I have to rest. <laughs> you have
2: to rest. And I feel like having a little grace. about having a little rest is just going to do you good in the long run. I feel like that for me, because when our bodies are running on E and we don't Mm -hmm. feel well and we push through, I feel like it's just going to cause that flare to to last longer. And whether that's true or not, that's how I feel about it. So, and it is hard some days and some days it's like, okay, this is the fourth day I haven't ran. Like, am I feeling like garbage because I haven't ran or am I you know, am I taking the time that I need so that I can feel better sooner? you know? Yeah. So
1: just have kinda, that grace.
2: Yep, have that grace. I think that's important.
1: Mm-hmm. I like that. Yeah. So what are some of the other things you've learned over the years? You do the running to help with the anxiety and just that mental space. Is there anything else that you've done or found that really helps with controlling that stress and just keeping every day a nice balance?
2: Yeah, you know, um, I think just and I don't know that this really answers your question, but finding peace with Mm -hmm. our situation, finding, um, and I know that being content, some people are like, well, I want, I don't want to be content. Um, I find for me being content is exactly where I want to be. It means that I'm not worried about what's coming. I'm not worried about what happened. Like I'm just content with what has happened and where I'm going. Like, Because I, for so long in my past, I was always worried about where I was going. I was always worried about um, what was happening in my life and relationship or school or work or whatever Mm -hmm. it is. I have found a place at work where I am very content. I have found a place at home where I'm very happy and I'm Mm -hmm. very content. Um, And for me, that has made all the difference, I think. I think I'm just... I think that's that's a key thing for someone yeah. who um, has a um, a stress induced mm-hmm. uh, illness, I guess, yeah. to just be content with with things, um, to be in a place where you can say, "I'm good. I'm good with the past. I'm good with whatever the future holds, and I'm good right now."
1: I think if, you've learned to be present, to just be present in the moment.
2: It's very very hard to do, um, mm-hmm. but. It's taken a long time but I have yeah. gotten there and I am I'm I'm good with where I'm at right now and I am good with being in this moment.
1: Mm-hmm. I think that's fantastic. That's great advice too. Thank I think we you. all need to remember to just to just be present and enjoy the moments when they're good yes. and focus on that.
2: Yes. Enjoy the moments when they're good. Yes. Um, because we all know that it can change really quickly. It can change with our disease or it can change with anything, you know? Um, so yes, be good with those good, those happy moments. Um, and, um, just find the positive in things when you can. I love that. The attitude, the mind is a big thing.
1: <laughs> it really is. And I think it's it going to be it's interesting, crazy. you know, give it another 20, 30 years, the research that comes out on the mind and
2: <laughs> things might all be clear. <laughs> yeah, right. Yes. So I don't know if that actually answered your it question. Okay, I think good. it did because it
1: really, that is a huge, plays a huge role in just finding that peace in every day and, and just being happy. I think yes. that's huge. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So we have covered a lot today and you've shared a lot with your journey. Is there anything that we haven't talked about that you would like to share with the audience?
2: Um, I don't think so.
1: I mean, everybody's
2: journey is sort of um, their journey. Um, but if I can just give a little light to somebody, even if it's just one person, mm-hmm. um I, I feel like this was a great opportunity to try to do that. Um, this can be a pretty um, awful illness, really, yeah. especially like you said in the beginning, which is something I hadn't thought about in a long time is we look fine. We yeah. look like we should be just, you know, total rock stars at everything. Yeah. Go do all um, the
1: things yes, and have exactly. all the energy. <laughs> yep.
2: All the time, every day. And um We're not, we're not always okay. Um, so, you know, and I've been there. I've been Mm -hmm. there so many times where I'm just not okay. Um, so I feel like it makes me more grateful for the times that I am. So um, so yeah, if this if this little interview has helped one person just see maybe a different side of it,
1: um, then I I'm super happy about that. That's fantastic. Well, if people want to keep up with you and follow you, where can they find you online? They can find me on Instagram at, <laughs> on the gram <laughs> on the gram. Yep. Mm-hmm,
2: <laughs> at um, wannabe.runner. Um, no, what is it? It's wanna wannabe.runner. Yes. That's I'll put it me. in the show notes. <laughs> oh, good. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. And I love um, searching hashtags of Crohn's Crohn's mm. warriors and stuff like that just to see like what other people are up to. Cause um, I think we talked about before we started our interview, you know, Our journeys are not always the same with this disease, but it's so nice to know
1: that you're not alone. Exactly. It's a huge Mm -hmm. thing to know that even if someone's going through something a little bit different but similar. Mm -hmm. It just it's comforting, but similar. Yes,
2: absolutely it is. Yes, for sure. So yeah, that's where you can find
1: me. Excellent. Well, thank you so (laughs) much for joining me today. It's been a pleasure talking with you and I've loved to hear your story and just learning more about you. So thank you so much, Angela.
2: Thank you for the opportunity.
0: I appreciate it very much. Thank you for listening to the Crohn's Fitness Food Podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you have an IBD story, either as a patient or a family member, that you'd like to share as a guest on this podcast, or if you have a topic you'd like to hear about, send me an email at crohn'sfitnessfood at gmail.com. If you'd like to learn more about me and my Crohn's journey, Follow me on Instagram using at Crohn's Fitness Food or visit my blog for in-depth articles about my struggles and victories with Crohn's through diet, fitness, and lifestyle at www.cronesfitnessfood.com. And finally, remember, be strong, be grateful, and be the warrior that you are.